Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Holding the Ladder in Sport and Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Tim Rice. This week's guest is Ginny Cody. Ginny serves as a women's team performance and well-being coach for West Ham United in the Barclays FA Women's Super League in London, England. She played guard and basketball for Ireland as well as WIT Wildcats in Ireland and has worked with UK Coaching since August of 2018, helping to support coaches across 13 high-performance Olympic sports on their respective journeys. Prior to her position with UK Coaching, she worked with the London Gaelic Athletic Association as a lead performance analyst. She's also accredited with the Irish Institute of Sport as a performance analyst. Hope you enjoy the next few minutes with Jenny Cody. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Holding the Ladder in Sport and Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Tim Rice, and with me this week, directly from Great Britain, is Jane Cody. Jen, thank you so much for taking time out of your uh, always busy schedule to speak with me and with the the, uh, audience. So uh, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, delighted to be here. Thank you for having me. Um, busy is a funny word, isn't it? Uh, I use it quite a lot. <laughs> and then I've now I've started to say, but good busy. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, well, and um, you know, so tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, kind of your background and everything. Yeah, wicked. Okay, so um, happily married Irish woman here living on the water in East London. Um, a bit of an unorthodox and unusual background in relation to getting where I am now. So dabbled in the world of IT. A bit of performance analysis and then on to a master's in sports psych as far as the academic route uh, with some courses in there for good measure because I'm always on to the <laughs> what's next and then um, basketball in my blood and in my veins so that uh, um, bouncing ball I grew up next to a school played uh, basketball from uh, high school level onwards and had some early success making a national team and then I just fell in love I fell in love with the team element so I tried Irish dancing tried swimming met some great people but it did the, the kind of competitiveness the brilliant people that I met through there the relationships uh, that kept going and then that went in a gap year into a coaching position I thought oh, okay well I'll try and my sister had just come into the high school said oh I'll coach there so uh, that, that led me to an international playing and coaching, traveling the world experience and uh, all the way over here to, to London about seven years ago. So cu- like currently now, there's some interesting areas and avenues I've explored around coach development and looking to get my basis accreditation here in the UK. But um, yeah, it's, you know, endless amount of cool experiences is, is what's got me here. So that's where I'm at at the moment. Yeah, and you're originally from Waterford, correct? Yeah, the Crystal City, many a time traveling over the other side of the pond to America and people say, oh, where's Waterford? I'd say, do you know Waterford Crystal? Yes, I do. <laughs> um, and albeit a, a smaller establishment now, uh, some fond memories when friends did or players uh, came over from Boston and Connecticut to play with us that we'd tour the factory and, and have, a, have a nice time getting to the beaches around the coast. Beautiful city. Yeah, I um, I have to admit, on my first trip over, we did in fact go spend the night in Waterford, and we did go to Waterford Crystal, uh, <laughs> typical American uh, tourist. Um, so, tell us a little bit about your current position. Kind of, what are you doing at this point? 
you know what, I've a really cool job. Uh, so I had a really cool job as well. Um, and that changed in August. So I work uh, with West Ham Football Club, with their women's team primarily. And then I'm going to connect with the academies, men's and women's, and then with the first team, hopefully, because I'm a sharer and I'm a connector. Um, and the title is Head of Performance and Wellbeing. And the job that I came from with UK Coaching worked across you know, 20 Olympic sports as a coach developer, program kind of designer. But the appeal to go to, well, first of all, it was the forward thinking of their general manager, Aidan, who I'd met when I first came to London to say, listen, you're a fresh pair of eyes. You're not from the football world. I'm going to take a lot of slack getting, getting a basketballer in here. But would you be interested? And I said, I would, uh, but there'd have to be a well-being piece. So I have obviously the background in, in mental skills and the masters in sports psych that I'm developing, but I also wanted to see if we could win well. And working with the coaches from my previous role, what I've noticed is post-Olympic cycle um, or even during some of the tough times during the cycle, I'd see coaches and I'd see their athletes really struggling. And, and some of that was the misconceptions of we need to be first in, last out. We need to work to this level and this threshold. It shouldn't be an easy journey. And I'm, I'm not saying it is and it should be at a, even at a professional level. But I do believe that if we get the atmosphere right, that we can enjoy the journey. And that's what I'm trying to instill in my current role is let's be let's explore well-being and mindfulness. Let's, you know, let's educate ourselves around mental health and that balance and, and look beyond the identity of just being a sports person and then see what we can get. So we value each other. We appreciate the environment we're in. We're looking to perform really well and we're obviously looking to, to win, but we don't focus on that. We're trying to focus on what, you know, the journey where have people come from when they come in. Uh, how can we value them and, and give them a sense of belonging, understand their motivations and enjoy the journey together? It's a bit, it's a bit utopian at the moment, <laughs> but hey. that is, as you can see, the passion rising in me here. That is really what I want to do. And I said it was forward thinking from West Ham because no other club from the female, the WSL side of the game at the moment has that in. Um, I know some of the men's teams have looked at putting, um, beyond sports psych, have looked at putting kind of mental health um, doctors and first aid in there as well, uh, mental health first aiders in there uh, and creating roles. So um, yeah, we're pushing buttons. Yeah, no kidding. Well, and um, I, I know with what we've just gone through and well, let's just say it, we're still going through with COVID-19 and the different variants uh, that continue to pop up. I mean, I, you know, mental health is such an important part of uh the, the, the sports side of things. I mean, how, how has that really ramped up since COVID came in? Gosh, yeah. In one side of me is excited because there's an awareness and it's on the agenda. Yeah. Uh, the worrying part is the more sometimes people speak about it and don't understand it, it, it gets diluted. And then we have a lack of clarity on the how part. So we see top tips and we see posters and we, you know, it's, it's here, there and everywhere. Very, um, very important to have it visible. But actually, what does it mean to people? What, how do we get into the sharing part? How can we create the safe space so people can talk? And, and it doesn't mean they're going to do less in the gym, on the pitch, in the court, in the pool. But how can we get to a point where... Uh, we understand how people are arriving at a session, what's going on. Like if we do, as we do at West Ham, a well-being questionnaire, we're not just informing our medical team 
and being preventative through that, we're also getting a feel of how connected are we to the players? What are they willing to share? And if we spot something, uh, does that change how we approach the relationship that day? If they share something, something's in a minus or it's less than 70%, are we connecting in a different way, using different language? Are we sharing across the coaching team? So there's a real richness around understanding what that word means. And a, a recent conversation I had with a sports psychologist of mine, a friend of mine, was saying, let's not blur the line um, with sports psychology and the mental skills and mental health and, and put them all in the one bag because actually we want to have that underpinning of the, you know, the well-being <laughs> and the mental health and then we want to have our skill set over here that we can develop. I know you'll appreciate that angle from your background too. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I, I know uh, so many times, like you said, people kind of put it all into one basket and, and really there are, it is specialized and and uh, I'm really glad that you have the opportunity and really the platform where you're at to be able to do that. So how, how did you get, you talked about uh, growing up in Waterford a little bit, but how did you get your start in sport? I mean, who's held the ladder for you as you've climbed to the great success you have? Yeah, I love that phrase. Absolutely love it. It, it came from Wildcats. It came from, um, the Waterford Wildcats, which I spent, you know, my life going into that gym. I remember one day thinking if I had a penny for every time I walked up the steps in the Mercy, I'd be a millionaire. Uh, before I was in my teens, I would have been. Um, but uh, the, I think the first part of, of the ladder is my, is my family. And I know it's maybe a little bit cliche, but my mom willing to share and be an emotional person and be engaged showed me that it was okay to be that way it was okay to get emotional and to share and there's some hard work ethics that were built in there um so sharing who they who they were my grandparents the same and then from there I had a coach once I made the national team quite early I had a coach called Jerry Fitzpatrick who was the Super League coach at the time and you know uh, Jerry and I are very good friends now we talk a lot about the early days and I think at that point the willingness to share even though there was a, a kind of dynamic of a head coach and he was on a journey, he was always willing to stop and explain the little bits. So there was a high challenge, but a high support I felt in the journey that I was on. Um, and after that, then I had the fortune of when I did work for Basketball Ireland, I had a guy called Martin Hare, who was a technical director at the time. And Martin and I traveled to numerous countries. Again, him kind of sharing the journey he'd been on, willing to kind of take me under his wing and show me the ways, the ways of the world at that time and, and giving me the confidence to kind of say, well, I'm dropping the ladder. You've got to climb it and pause where you need to. Um, I, I entered the performance analysis world. And funny enough, Jerry comes back into the picture there as in the Masters of Sports Psych as he was a head of the program at the time. And uh, a woman called Denise Martin, who had um, her own company and she was working with Dublin GA at the time. And I, I was kind of at that point where I'd finished a degree in IT, bit of performance analysis and finished the master's. I was like, oh, where do I go with this? And I started doing a bit of work with Wexford. And then Denise said, listen, come and do some work. And I remember the first day, um, slightly off topic, but talking about people who are willing to just you know get, share everything they know at the time and then give you enough of that space to say now you make sense of it in your world so Denise said well, I need you to fill this role and here's some here's some ways of operating and the first day I stood there to do some just notational uh, stuff on the sideline I had a man who was about 75 beside me a diehard fan of the team and 
Denise was calling some of what she'd see and I was making notes and then we'd talk about trends and patterns. The man beside me was talking at the same time. That's a great point there. What do you think of this? How? And I said, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, Can I just, I'm working here. My first day, Denise was rolling stuff off her tongue, you know, very understanding woman. But, uh, you know, we traveled the country. She, you know, at the cutting edge of the research at the time, now she's gone back in uh, PhD style to do some research and bring it on, um, you know, and then looking at um, where I'm currently at, you've got opportunities with West Ham, people saying, you know, listen, we want to give a platform to women's sport. We know it's on the rise, but, you know, here, here's a ladder, jump on, see what you can do. Um, my wife is the same. Opportunities to, okay, have a look at this side of the ladder. What do you think of that? I'll hold the ladder for you while you go up. So I've got, I've got amazing people, you know, family and, and my wife on either side, but loads of amazing people in the middle who've just said in different ways, um, here's some of the stuff we've experienced go make sense and and here I am well and and I've always like being able to think about how many people have impacted your life you know and and so many great stories by the way I think that's what's beautiful about sport all the the funny stories about you know some some guys think that's talking all the time you're talking I mean I think that's just wonderful and I I do think that some of the greatest storytellers I've ever met are coaches um, and, and so thank you for sharing that. Um, now with your, with your current position, um, what's some of the biggest challenges that you face in your day-to-day job? Yeah. I mean, when I am, when I say I'm a fan of language, I'd have to say, I'd, I'd zoom in on the word challenge and I always try to see it in a positive light. I probably will digest it initially as a hurdle or a barrier, but then I try to reframe it as a launch pad. You know, what, why is this a challenge? Why, you know, is it really, is it something that, is it the way I'm looking at it? Is there a different lens? Have I got different people around me to change what I'm seeing here? And I think, you know, the, the underpinning part of it is in a professional world, the easy choices, hard life. You know, if if we just keep doing what we always did, and that quote, we always get what we, you know, um, or we take the hard choices, and we get not necessarily an easier life, but we're opening the door to endless opportunities. So, the the biggest challenges, I'm trying to change the narrative. I'm trying to support an environment that has a certain way of operating for a really long time, a culture of football, uh, the growth of women's football. And I'm trying to stretch and challenge with this new idea of performance through well-being, whilst we have certain people who have an eye on, can we get the points on the board? And um, Ooh, can we really win well? I just think you need to just, you know, do it this way. This is the way it's in my day. And I know that exists across a lot of sports. So it's it's really trying to find the balance of great relationships and rapport, the trust that's there, trust that we can do this together, that this actually will work um, and not going there with a, um, you know, a plethora of academic papers and saying, see, <laughs> it's like the Pink Panther style of, oh, I read this, drop that over there. Here's a TED talk. Let's have a chat about it. <laughs> you know, dripping. <laughs> Here I go. <laughs> Here's a QR code that's appeared on the back of a door. Scan that. <laughs> it's a new Brene Brown talk. Um, so I, I'm trying to, I'm trying to infiltrate. And there are some incredible people working there. Like we've got 
We've got a great manager who's insightfully. We talk a lot about emotional intelligence. We've got Brian uh, Tompkins, who's come over from um, Yale. He spent 20 years there um, and he's sharing some of his journey. We've got, you know, uh, Paul Koncheski, who's an ex-professional. So he's had all his journey, um, you know, endless amount of people that are there who've been on different journeys who are really trying to share. And I guess the, there's a, a quote there from uh, a paper I read recently and let me get it right. It's um, win winning is a byproduct, which we know from sports psychology, we don't outcome focus, but winning is a byproduct of how you approach life and relationships mm. and relationships for me in my old role, probably beyond that, if I was to kind of re reflect again, they're so important. They're so important and uh, keeping that positive attitude, that openness, the, the reframing of things to approach life with that positivity and connect with the, the not the right people that say what you need, but the people who are in your corner and the people who you can have a healthy debate with and hold a difference with, you're winning, you know, yeah. so there are there are some of the interesting challenges at, at the moment and it's ongoing. Yeah, West Ham have taken a, a, a nice, interesting leap to go in this journey. A lot of the feedback so far from our mindfulness sessions, from the well-being questionnaires, uh, from me being embedded in the coaching sessions. So being part of the design with the manager, sharing some ways of working around the mental skills, like loads of angles. So um, it's not all, it's not all uh, nice, nicey. We do work really hard to get there, but um, I try to see it as launch pads and, and not be laden down by the challenge. Yeah. Well, and you also probably, uh, because you're a highly sought after person, you're, you know, you're running directly after our interview to another session. I mean, so like, is that difficult to be able to juggle? Um, yeah, it is. It is because I'm passionate. Um, yeah. And I, I go back to, you know, a, the great, the great people that I have around me, my wife being one who will say, let's have a chat about this new project. <laughs> it's a really nice way of saying, let's have a lunch together and have a chat about this. And, you know, uh, having people that, you know, are, yeah, I've said it already, not just the nodding dog will say, oh yeah, do this and get involved in that. So it's, it's hard to spin the plates. And at the moment, the boundaries are important. So where are my time and space boundaries? Uh, one of the first things when I, I did when I got into the row at West Ham is look at my support network. And I've learned that it might sound selfish, but who can I connect with standing on the shoulders of giants as we always do? Who has done a great job already? So I go to the director of safeguarding. What's in place? Um, how can I build a mental health strategy around what the great work that we've already done? How can I connect with the first team sports psych? What's happening in the academy? Where can I support the coaches there? Where, where can they support me? You know, who, where can I build and keep having a great support network so that actually when I do take on a large volume of information and the passion is there to, yes, I will, <laughs> that I need to reel back in and go, right, where are the priorities? Where's your time and space boundary? I'm also supporting a lot of the, the support staff, so the medical team, the SNC, and I'm trying to share with them and, and obviously they're sharing with me what works. So come when we have a day off, it's a day off. With a perception of first in, last out, let's just, let's get rid of that. You know, if you come in and you do your work, which again, the manager is quite good at adapting to this. If you come in and you do your work and we're there, you know, doing a session, but we finish early, then we all, you know, we can all finish. We can finish early on a day. Nobody's looking at anybody sideways. We do a great job. We invest our time when we're there. 
Um, but if you do need to stay late and do something, that there's leniency and trust that you can take the time back. But went off, I went off a little bit there. But the no, 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 yeah. not at all. Yeah, <laughs> it actually kind of uh, leads to the next question. And and you brought up re relationships, which uh, you know, uh, you're the 40th uh, uh, episode here, I believe is the number. And I've heard relationships. And it's not like I say, hey, by the way, Jim, say something about relationships. <laughs> it just comes out, you know. And so, uh, but I, a lot of people think that building relationships is a skill. Um, what What are skills that you consider to be essential for success as a sport professional? It can be, you know, in the uh, the analyst world, the the performance world, and sports sales, sports marketing, coaching, you name it in sport. What are some skills that you consider essential? I think uh, that the main one that I'd start on, like listening, <laughs> listening is a good one. <laughs> um, so tune in, um, get those ears going. I think the emotional intelligence element is really important for me. If I look at, if I think of the components of like empathy, and I mentioned Brene Brown there, the empathy sympathy angle, can you get your finger on the pulse of the room? Um, can you read the reaction to a question or an interaction or an experience and, and adjust and adapt? The self-awareness piece, um, as I said, I'm entering a different world, one that's really fast paced, high expectations and standards. So how aware am I of myself and the message that I'm trying to land? How am I being received? And how do I check in with that? Even if it's something simple like a 360 or it's just reflection. The motivational elements we talk in training a lot about uh, self-determination theory. So how do I, how do we incorporate the relatedness, the autonomy um, and um, the mastery, the, the competence in the sessions in our week? How do we, you know, really tune into the motivations of the people there. Because, you know, not every player that we have in front of us wants to be the best in the world. So, you know, what are their what are their goals? And actually, I watched the TED talk recently of Tim Ferriss, where he talks about setting fear goals as a whole other avenue, but it was an interesting Ooh. one. Yeah. Um, social skills. Um, I've had some coaches. So for a period of time at Wildcats, where we had 12 years where I think I had 10 different coaches over that period of time from all over the world, some local and international, different sides of um, different sides of the water. And it was the social skills, it was a relationship and connectivity. How could they take all of their experience and knowledge uh, that they gained on their journey and relay it? What did that, not necessarily from a, a pedagogy way, but just the connecting, the connecting with us and the self-regulation. Uh, many, many a board has flown past my face, many a chair kicked in a water bottle. Um, Many, many times has my name been bellowed so much I wanted to change it. <laughs> I aspire never to be that coach. But uh, yeah, I think, you know, emotional intelligence in those areas will be really important. And to do when you're doing that self-awareness, check in at where you're at, what bus stop are you at to check in on that journey? Because if it's if it's hit that stagnated, I, you know, I often refer when I speak to coaches in certain sports, are you in a stable position where you're happy but need, need an injection? Or is it really uh, static and going nowhere? And you know, wh when's the time for improvement or to get out of there or to change something up? So, yeah. Well, and it takes reflection, you know, too. Mm -hmm. I, I think that that, um, I think every person that's climbed the ladder to, you know, uh, the place they're at have, have, had, um, have had their time where they have had to say, hmm, 
maybe there is something I need to do differently. Maybe I need to be somewhere else. Maybe I need to, uh, and whatever, but, and being able to reflect on <clears throat> how you can do things better and, and also realize that you shouldn't always have to be so hard on yourself. Um, I think that that's one thing that I struggled with uh, for many years um, that, you know, even today, I feel like there are times where I, I even have been doing this for over 30 plus years. And yet there's some times where I'm like, uh, I have that, uh, that, that feeling that I'm an imposter. Right. And, uh, but the bottom line is you develop as you grow. And, uh, so thank you for sharing that. Now, one uh, other question and, you know, many of the guests that I've asked this question, um, to, they are like, I don't like the word networking. I, I don't like it. But obviously you got into the role there at West Ham because you knew someone or had an opportunity network to get in there. How important is networking in the field of sport and how do you approach it? Great question. Um, I, I think it's really important. I was thinking of a constellation exercise that I used to share with some coaches or I used to do years ago, uh, changed the name over time because I uh, got, you know, got, got educated in different ways to approach it. But um, looking, what I was really good at for a, a large portion of time is just uh, saying hi and reaching out. What do you do? Leaning in with curiosity. What do you do? How do you do it? Why do you do that? Oh, that's interesting. Can we share this? Can we, you know, back to pen pal days when I'd go to hol on holidays. Do you want to keep writing? Yeah, okay, yeah. Um, and it, I think I have to say when I first started to go to America, um, 95 was my first trip with the national team as a player over to St. Joe's in Connecticut. And it was a, the openness and willingness of many coaches sharing in an environment. So we go to practice and there'd be loads of people, loads of coaches there sharing, coming over endless amount of positivity, not saying the environment I came from was negative, but it was amplified in this space and these beautiful gyms and loads of people willing to, um, to cheer you on. There was this connectiveness that was electric and I, it never died. Any trip I went back to where we traveled, be it personally or professionally in sport, uh, that grew and I continued to stay connected continue when we had um, fortunately enough to have some incredible players play at Wildcats over the years stayed in contact they're now coaching in different universities in the states around the world and I think it's just so important but what I was maybe not zoomed in on is who the strategic or operational people were I wasn't savvy enough or maybe uh, that needed to come later to see well, where do I want to go and who's missing from this exercise? So I throw all the people down that I know, um, you know, who are the people who are close to me, further away? Uh, what kind of clusters do I have? What's the strength of the relationship? But actually, who is missing from that to allow me to get more exposure in this space? Or if I really am passionate about women in sport and coaching, then how can I get onto a task force that allows me to have a platform where I can share and um, stimulate some ideas and be part of a movement? So the important part was, the, the answer is yes, I find it really important. But also, if that doesn't change every six months, what am I doing? What bubble am I living in? And am I living in a safety bubble where I'm only in one sport with the same people who are nodding back at me and you're brilliant and well done. No, thank you. <laughs> COVID has definitely helped um, 
you know, and UK coaching, great people at UK coaching who are really good at doing that where we record podcasts or uh, just have interviews or they'd host a webinar, some fantastic, you know, global leaders in their area, which, you know, kind of, I, I guess was a little bit of a helping hand for me to say, okay, I'll, I'll connect. I'll, you know, would you like to have a chat for an hour or even, you know, you Tim asking me. I'm so privileged to be here tonight and to share some of this story with all the wonderful other guests you've had and the audience that you have around the, the world. So, yeah, it's a, a bit of vulnerability to, to make that first step and connect and then value that you have something to offer and that they will have something to share. And it, it doesn't have to be a certain amount of time. It doesn't have to have the same views. You know, you could sit with the trouble or the difference on those in those conversations. So, yeah, really well, important. Yeah, well, and um, I was just thinking about Wildcats and everything and, and the number of people have come through. And uh, I went to to school at University of Mobile in Mobile, Alabama. And uh, a friend of mine from uh, my Galway days, uh, Wayne Redmond, of course, uh, anyone uh, knows Wayne uh, from uh, Wild, uh, Waterford, from Wildcats. And uh, Crystal uh, Wolverton actually is a former player from uh, that played at Mobile College or University of Mobile where I went to and apparently played Wildcats. But just to be able to have people from all different walks of life, uh, that, um, you get a chance to meet. And I know for me, your experience going to the United States, well, that's how it was for me going to Ireland. Yeah. You know, every time I go back over there, I, I, my wife, Candy, uh, who I call the smarter of the two doctors, Rice, she, <laughs> she always, um, she says, you know, every time you go back to Ireland, Tim, you, you seem to meet 10 or 15 new people. How is that? I said, I don't really know. I guess it's just my personality. Go figure. But, uh, but yeah. Um, well, okay. So uh, as we're closing today's interview, I have a couple more questions, but what is one piece of advice you'd give to someone who's just getting started in a career in sports? Um, just one. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Not easy. No, it isn't. No. Um, there is a stoic writer, Seneca, who said, we suffer more in our imagination than in reality. So I would say on the basis of that, find a mentor. And from that, great things can happen. Um, if that mentor is not in the same sport or is whatever the starting point is, then you can look to expand from there. But I think, you know, me, one of one, one of my areas of development, it's not the thought, it's the thoughts about the thought. It's that meta element that kicks in. So um, having somebody who can guide, support, challenge, be there. And I, I say mentor over coach developer at the moment. I think coach development is absolutely fantastic and absolutely could explore that area. But you know, sometimes after, from a coaching perspective, after a championship loss and you're driving down the motorway and you have that lonely road, if there's not somebody at home picking up the phone to that person and just being like, this was this, or having a, a you know, a live reflective board to, to share some thoughts with. Um, yeah, that's, that's the piece of advice I'd use. Oh, great piece of advice, because I know for me, uh, from my whole experience, um, I've had so many opportunities to be mentored and, uh, and you have to be willing to accept it. I think that that's the one thing because not everyone is willing to do it. Right. 
you know, uh, you know, um, Jerry Fitzpatrick, right. Uh, who stepped in and was your mentor there at Waterford and not only as a coach, but as a professor, you know, there are just so many people that are out there that are willing to help, but we have to be able to get out of our own way to understand that. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I think that's key. You know, when we, we show the vulnerability, we reach out, um, you know, we're, we're you know, setting goals, having visions, dreaming big. Um, but there are people who want to be in your corner. So find them, find them and expand that. <laughs> Yeah, great advice. Okay, uh, last question. How do you hold the ladder for others? Ladders. <laughs> <laughs> Ladders, okay. Ladders, I would, um, I hold it with two hands and a smiley face and I welcome people up. If they need a hand, I can do that as well. Um, I try to do it often and with a lot of positivity. You know, I don't know where the people will come from. I don't sometimes like the lollipop effect in that. Um, in that TED talk I watched one time, um, sometimes I don't know that I'm holding a ladder, but I want to create the space and opportunity to offer support, um, be a listening ear, um, allow people to come into different environments like I have been to, um, you know, to, to grow and to, to fulfill their journey and dreams and unlock their potential. So at the moment, I can visit many ladders and wherever I can provide an opportunity to you know, share here, reflect, um, or be challenged on something. Absolutely amazing. But two hands and a smile goes a long way. Yeah, it does. One of the things about the holding a ladder concept um, is, you know, holding a ladder so folks can climb the greater heights than they ever thought possible, regardless of whether you get, you know, thanked or not, really doesn't matter. Um, I know that you, people have talked about the paying it forward concept. And in some ways, that's what this is, obviously. And you used a term earlier, and I use it a lot in my podcast, but uh, standing on the shoulders of giants. Um, you know, I know for me, the people that I assisted through the years won nearly 3,000 games in their career. And I had the chance to learn from all those folks. And, um, you know, they gave me the opportunity to do that. And I think that uh, they held the ladder for me. And I find that, you know, that's why I do it now, because I feel uh, a sense of responsibility. Uh, you know, it's not glitzy, it's not glamorous, but boy, does it feel good to see somebody be successful. And I, you know, I know for me, that's been a big thing. And, uh, and, and you're right, there are a lot of ladders put the S on the end that we have to hold it for some of us more than others. And, um, and I appreciate you being a ladders holder. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. So um, as we close today, first of all, how, uh, thank you so much for taking time. I, I know you're really busy and everything and, and uh, always on the go. Uh, how would you like to close the podcast today? Oh, what a big thank you. And I hope that, um, you know, if anybody has, if anything from this has resonated, I'd happily connect. Um, you know, you can find me on Twitter, either retweeting or curiously asking some questions. Um, drop me an email or you, you, if you're in the UK, you're more than welcome to come down to West Ham and watch a session and hang out for a bit. So uh, it's, it's just a thank you to you and thank you to people for listening, but but also an open an open invite to connect um, because yeah, that's uh, that's how I that's how I roll. Yeah, 
And I, and I appreciate you sharing that. And anyone listening, Jenna said, hey, get in touch with her and I'll make sure that your information's uh, included in the show notes there, Jenny. And, um, you know, I do appreciate you again, taking time today. And uh, I know you've got to get run into another session, but thank you so much. Thank you. All right. All right, everyone. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode. We look forward to seeing you this next Monday. Have a great rest of your week. Thanks for listening. And until next week, I challenge you to hold a ladder for someone to climb to greater heights than they ever thought possible.